And today, that's why I never keep it. We have a new episode. Teach like us. I know you don't keep them. That's why I say nonsense now. And wasting up our time. This is Alyssa, and I'm here with my co-host and faux little bro, Andre. And welcome to another episode of Teachers Like Us. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about code switching. Um, as usual, we try and give you guys just some definitions before we start this show. So can you give us a little definition as to what code switching is before we get into it today? Okay, so code switching is the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation. So... Code switching can be anything from literally speaking two different languages and just knowing kind of when to use them or even using them in the same sentence. Like um, if you notice some of your Muslim students will say something and then at the end they'll be like, um, some of our kids will be like, uh, yo, this hat is the best hat I ever had. And then someone will say, say wallahi. And they'll be like, wallahi. Like that is in itself code switching, but we're going to talk about kind of um, how code switching impacts blackness and impacts your students. Yeah, um, I would say probably the most popular place that code switching has now become the thing to look at is in the book slash movie now, The Hate You Give. Ooh. That's one of the biggest things that it focuses on is that main character and how she has to um, switch or code switch from her life at home to her life at school. Truthfully, I wasn't prepared for Andre to come with that, but I'm ready. I am ready to use the hate you give as a as a great example of code switching. Um, so if we kind of go back a little bit, I found an article, as usual. I feel like I'm always like, I found an article. Yeah, because you're the scholar here. It's okay. I love reading articles. I like reading books, period. But um, this article caught my eye, and it was in Medium, and it says, Code Switching, Survival for Black People. In a white world, black people need to understand African-American vernacular English, so A-A-V-E, and proper English. I, from here on out, am going to refer to proper English, and I did that in air quotes, um, as the Queen's English. Mm. So, again, I don't like the idea that proper English is the right English. It is the Queen's English. So they need to know the difference between AAVE and the Queen's English in order to survive. And then the first line of it says, it isn't uncommon to start a new job and realize one of two things. You are the only black person there, or you can count the other black people on one hand. You quickly surmise that fitting in will mean adjusting to the way others around you talk. Yes, for sure. Um, Funny enough, with us being on strike now, because we're in Ontario and um, we are striking for our new contract, our union is striking. You gotta fight (laughs) for your right. (laughs) Um, One of the biggest things that I've made myself aware of now is like when we are on the picket lines how um i don't even know if undiverse is a word but the lack of diversity yeah, you know, a lack yeah of diversity. the lack of diversity amongst teachers or much teaching in general when you if you are if you live in ontario and you're seeing your teachers whether they're in high school or middle school or in elementary school that are on the picket lines on their different days take a look at the faces that you see you see a lot of white faces and teaching has been predominantly white since like 
the beginning of teaching. I see no lies here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just the that quote that you were just saying that you read from, it reminds me of that is the fact that, okay, now that I am here and I am one of few black people that I can count on my hand, now I'm going to make sure that I am... I guess conforming to the norms that they are used to, or that everybody around me is used to, used to, so that I can, so that everyone will accept me, essentially. Absolutely, and that is called kind of conforming to the dominant culture. So I'm going to hit you guys with a quick Google already. So we're doing this Google in the beginning of the podcast today, um, and Andre and I both posted this book on our stories. So you're going to have to scroll back. I think about a week or so, yeah, um, to see. But it's called "This Book Is Anti-Racist." That book kind of gives you, I I would say, like a nice foundation um, from a mixed race um, woman. And I like that it talks about dominant culture and how we have now accepted whiteness as our dominant culture. And so everything kind of filters through that. And I say that every week, um, but the book is beautifully illustrated. And I think that helps um, those visual learners kind of see how all of that impacts us. And language is one of those things that fits right into that. Our language has adopted or we have adopted language that is from the dominant culture. Yes. Um, I would add that as much as we talk about this dominant culture, I don't want people to seem like we're always just attacking that superior white culture. How? Because for me in my personal life, um, I have countless times where I've had to now switch to match the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. So um big example of that is um kid thing that I tell my kids all the time when I'm introducing myself to a new class, I say, Hey, based on what you know about me, what do you think my favorite sport is? Everybody assumes my favorite sport is basketball. And we, we can have our own biased little talk about that. But um <laughs> the side that comes with it is that especially at my school they see that I coach the basketball teams um, the basketball teams that I've coached have been very successful though so there's a lot of talk around <laughs> not to toot your own horn yeah anything. not to toot my own horn you know all PL championship and all that oh, stuff but gosh. Um, throw them away <laughs> but there's a lot of um, I get noticed a lot because of basketball but my favorite sport is actually soccer and I use that um, I'm using this example just to say that the dominant culture that I got into when I moved into a certain neighborhood at like the age of like three or four was I like soccer. My dad plays plays soccer. So that's the sport that I want to play. That's the sport that I love. That's what I'm into. But everyone around me plays basketball. Everybody's dreams and aspiration is we are going to the NBA. So obviously I'm going to now conform and I'm going to play basketball because that's how I'm going to make friends as I'm going to interact with people all right so if we (laughs) I don't know how to transition well from that one (laughs) um so if we look at what code switching means from like a linguistic standpoint Mm -hmm. um it's the idea that you know you could be talking with your fellow black co-worker so when Andre and I speak um our voices, for the most part, stay the same, but there are things and ways of speech that we can say to each other that we understand. Yes. And even though they may not be grammatically correct in terms of the Queen's English, um, we understand that regardless of how we're speaking, that both of us are smart and we don't need to prove anything. Uh, we're talking something about code switching. Yeah, so- oh, yeah, so... 
Oh, hi. I know what you were talking about. Did you know what you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, this is my time to speak, so you can start this thing. You just told a big right? long story. That made no sense. Now, so, um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is going to take a couple tries. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I was going to say, so, hold on. An example of what um, you were just speaking about is, for example, if I come into Alyssa's classroom and I say, yo, what are you doing? I might not say that. That's something that is not, I guess, hard slang. So just to come in and say, yo, what you doing? Or what's going on in? <laughs> Something like that. Something that's easy to understand. You but just let me finish. But see, this is what happens when you want to come take over the mic. All right, you go ahead, know. Go no, ahead. go. Go, <laughs> go, go out here. Yo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, go. Oh, my goodness. So like I was saying, um, our intelligence is not... Um, determined by the way we speak and and we have a very good understanding of that whereas um let's say and i hate saying this because again i feel like we're always attacking the white people it's not always the white people but like if a white person were to enter that conversation the speech would likely change Change. Um, automatically yes from Yo, I've been done that. Like, I've been there. Like, I've been on it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone would be like, "What were you on?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to get on too. Like, is this roller coaster? Like, you know what I mean? And it's not that the outside person is dumb either. Mm-hmm. It's just that there is a code and a way that we we speak to each other that is understood because. African American vernacular English is part of our upbringing. It's part of who we are. Um, so yeah. Research conducted by Pew Research Center found that black college graduates, particularly those under 50, found code switching to be necessary. Education and age were prominent in its opinion in this opinion, with younger and more educated black adults saying that code switching was an important skill to have. And I think being a black person, I think the reason why we think it's something that we need to have is, again, going back to the fact that we want to be accepted. We Mm -hmm. want the people around us to um, think that we're intelligent, think that we're smart, think that we know what we're talking about. So we're going to make sure that we put it in the language that you understand, even though if, again, me and Alyssa are having a conversation, we know that we're both smart. We know that we're both intelligent. So no matter how I relay the information, I know that she'll understand the point that I'm trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And I find that this is where it's kind of difficult in terms of your student-teacher relationships because um, we unfortunately want the cho- children to learn the Queen's English because that's our society. Yeah, that's standard. what we're teaching. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I want them to feel comfortable and confident in who they are as individuals. So truthfully, your black kids learn how to code switch from a very young age. Like for sure. Um, they can tell you, like, I answered the phone the other day, so I was in class, I was chatting it up with my students, and again, um, my students know, like, who I am, they know that I'm smart, I don't have to prove anything, I don't have to use big words around them, and I can be like, yo, get your life together, and they understand <laughs> what that means, but I have to go from, yo, get your life together, to when I pick up that phone, saying, Mrs. Gray's room, Mrs. Gray speaking, um, and one of my kids goes, oh, Mrs. Gray, use your white voice, like, <laughs> And so, like, they know, like, they are very aware that this exists. For sure. And it goes back to proving why it's so important that we have black teachers or minority teachers in the school building so that our minority students can now um, 
again feel comfortable being themselves because now they'll have a grown-up around them who's okay who understands the things that they are saying when they are using different slang terms and even for me as much because i'm the younger one here what happens what i find happens a lot of the times is that you'll have students say things using certain codes because they know that teachers aren't going to understand what they're saying and then I come along and I'm like no 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 hey 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 <laughs> can't say that here I know what you're saying something else that uh, or one thing that we've mentioned that code switching does is that you are trying to in code switching you're trying to prove again that you are acceptable prove that you are smart that you know what you are talking about and um, I find that I even do that on this podcast so Again, you hear us say all the time, oh, my God, that Alyssa is the scholar. This is the one that's reading all of the time. And it doesn't mean that I don't read or that I'm not looking up articles or anything like that. But because you can automatically tell that difference in the way that we speak. Absolutely. I am always trying to make sure and that and again, I'm doing it right now fumbling on my words from time to time it's not that I don't have my ideas or my thoughts together it's that I want to make sure that my um, smartness level I guess <laughs> is matched or close to her so nobody thinks that okay Andre's the foolish young child oh, here pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> so no one thinks Andre's a foolish young child that's just here to soak up all of the knowledge that Alyssa has to offer even though that happens from <laughs> time to time that didn't sound like you were finished that sentence I thought you were gonna jump in no, that's why I <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think, again, like last week I mentioned that there's a certain amount of privilege that comes with um, being light skin. And I think be- because I grew up with a mom who, although racialized, very much is white presenting mm-hmm. um, and she codes like the way she appears to other people, she codes as white or maybe like some kind of tanned olive You know what I mean? So, um, and she very much, like I was raised with my white grandmother. Like it was just, you know what I mean? Uh, Whiteness is part of my existence as well in terms of, um, and not that again, I don't like being white. It is that the privilege that has been afforded and the way it was ingrained in me, like we don't speak, listen, you don't speak slang. Like, you're okay. not ghetto. You don't live in the ghetto. Like, I totally did, though. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to speak proper English or no one's going to no one's going to hire you, right? Like, kids are told that from a very young age. Like, we don't speak like that in this house. Um, you use your proper English and, like, or what do you think? I'm one of your little friends? Like, <laughs> yeah, for every sure. black kid has heard that. For sure. Um, for me, growing up in a Caribbean household, we because our family members are always trying to make sure that we stay true to our Caribbean roots, so we get that patois at home because I'm um, Jamaican descent. So you get that at home, but then you're always told that, hey, there's certain things that happen at the home that stay in the home, and there's a certain way that you need to present yourself outside of the home. So don't you shouldn't be in a position where you're trying to mix the two. So it becomes... Um, it's a primary example of code switching from a young age that you're told okay act this way at home 
but make sure that you're acting in, in an acceptable way when you're outside of the home. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that even goes down to like names. How many Porsches do you know that <laughs> go to work and all of a sudden they're Marlene? Yes. Um, and you'll find that too, that a lot of uh, black people will have a home name. Yes. And then a name that they they carry outside. I have many aunties who I did not know that <laughs> the names that we call them are not their actual government <laughs> names. Again, remember, um, sorry, auntie, I'm going to expose you for a second. But I, I remember... Um, one of my aunts was getting married and because all of us knew what her real name was i went to her husband and i was like hey what's her actual name and he was like what are you talking about <laughs> i know her as this let's say her, her name is uh shirley right he's like i know her her name is shirley and i was like no it's not <laughs> it's like everybody calls her Shirley yeah she's anti-Shirley everywhere but you go you go find like a passport or a health card you're not finding Shirley on the health card <laughs> that's awful um, I think what's important to know for your students um, in terms of code switching is that they're constantly kind of living in two worlds yes. sometimes even more um, and sometimes they get mixed up especially your younger students right so we're always very quick, especially in school where you're learning the Queen's English and everything is, um, again, measured against that. Like when you're writing, when you're speaking, when you're presenting, um, all of those things. While we want to help our students succeed in this world dominated by whiteness, we also need to understand that it's okay for them to mix those things up. And if you understand what they're saying and they're getting really good points across. Yeah, let it go. Let it go for a minute. Like... You know what I mean? Like if they're sitting in group tables and they're having discussions and maybe it doesn't come out the way you want, but the idea, the essence, they're making those connections. You got to go with the connection. Like, did you understand it? All right, good. Like how many times has your student said, can I go to the bathroom? And then you said, I don't know. Can you? Yeah. Shut up. (laughs) Like nobody cares. Did you understand what they were asking for? Good. Let the child go pee, man. Exactly. I find that, like, even with my kids, sometimes where they're asked, like, can I go to my locker? And I'm like, what? The first thing that they do is, may I go to my locker, please, Mr. Ratchet? I'm like, no, 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 that's not what the what is for. <laughs> it's like, what did you ask me? <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. Now, for you to correct yourself. And these are kids that are, what, 11, 12 years old, 12, mm-hmm. 13 years old. Because if you're going to tell a kid that they always have to say, may I? Then you better be saying, hello, good morning, instead of hi or hey, because those are all colloquial versions. Mm-hmm. And we are willing to accept colloquial versions of speech as long as they fit within our parameters of whiteness so we will accept a higher hey but a yo is too far yeah or Or a wagwan wagwan. yes (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say the other side of it is as much as we look at the white dominance of the queen's english and that's what everybody's supposed to be learning and that's what's proper and acceptable we also have to look at the dominance of the culture that these kids are in so the dominance of what or in my opinion the dominant culture that you find is hip-hop culture that you find amongst kids especially in middle schools so now not only do you have um your black students or your minority students code switching between uh what they're saying at home and with their friends and what they're saying in class and in their writing you are now having these um white students Asian students that 
because they want to be a part of that dominant hip hop culture are now changing some of the words that they say or changing the cadence of how they say certain things because they want to match what is cool. So what is the point you're trying to make? That it's problematic or that it's not problematic? Or something else entirely that I missed? I would say that I don't think it's... There is part of it that is problematic in them trying to do that, but at the same time, you can see that the same way that these black kids are trying to code switch to be acceptable is the same thing that these white kids are doing from time to time to be acceptable in what, again, what that dominant culture is. And see, I would disagree mm-hmm. um, only because when we say things like that, I feel like it mimics that reverse racism thing. For sure. Um, whereas black kids are are doing it to fit into a dominant culture, like to get jobs, to yes. do things that affect their livelihood. Whereas, you know, little Bob is doing it to fit in with his friends for now, but can rip off that African-American yeah. vernacular English as a mask. Like, he can wear it while it's cool, but the second he's out in the workforce like that mask can come off and oh that was a long time ago for like, sure I went to high school with a guy who used to hang out with all the black girls like it was just kind of his thing and for Halloween he for Halloween he dressed up as a black person he did not black face but he braided oh. his hair the whole nine and thought he was super cool now if you look at this guy there's no inkling of like black culture in his life like Mm -hmm. it has been washed away with his age and i feel like that's the problem of course that is it's a big problem but these kids at again 12 13 aren't seeing that right now they're seeing the i want to get into what that popular dominant culture is so here's the things that i need to do this is how i'm going to dress this is how i'm going to um speak and for us who are older or even other black kids will look at them like no <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not this is this is ours this is what we do it doesn't have to be what you do you don't have to do this to be cool it's actually quite awkward for you to do this ooh <laughs> the bell we're going to have to continue this one it needs it needs to be flushed out nicer yes so um we can just end this off by saying again if you're looking to follow any of our podcasts you can follow us on instagram at teachers like us you can find us on pretty much everywhere that podcasts are available we're on spotify itunes uh google podcast stitcher buzzsprout so go look for us look at our past episodes and keep up to date with us on instagram we'll see you next time Later. Peace out. Bit bat bat skitty do pat pat. Are you finished? <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna I- say something. Go. <laughs>